Live from Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the Orlando Magic HQ podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Orlando Magic HQ podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and joining us in today's very special episode, newest member of the HQ, the close-up, formerly the close-up Magic, Stephen Cameron. What's going on, brother? What's up, fellas? It's been a while since all three of us have been on the show together. I'm psyched to, psyched to be here. Uh, what a fun day to be talking some Magic basketball. Absolutely. In today's episode, Friday, February 2nd, trade deadline is exactly six days away. And we're going to be talking about some of the updates that we've heard around the Orlando Magic rumor mill. Um, and the current state of the Orlando Magic, we got a chance to be able to see Paolo Bancaro finally go against uh, rookie of the year last year versus rookie of the year potentially this year, Victor Wembanyama. So I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts because I have a lot of opinions on that. Um, and then how do we not talk about 2024 NBA All-Star Paolo Bancaro just announced our man finally got it, finally got into the big stage with all the big names and talk about our reactions there. But before we get into that, just a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. It is playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Kansas City. Boundline is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to Boundline today to stay updated on all the action. Bet online, the game starts here. Now, Steve, I want to hear from you first. Okay. Orlando Magic, since Nikola Vucevic, we finally get a player who I feel could have made a great, a really great debate in potentially making it last year. Obviously it, it didn't happen. We really didn't consider him as, as a snub, but you know, we, we felt like there was a chance sophomore year comes around and, 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 and Paolo Bancaro, he's, he's in it, man. How, what was your initial thoughts? What was your reaction? Um, and did you have any doubt? Man? So fellas, like love Vooch, good player. Solid for the Magic the time was here. Was very excited when he made All-Star. The feelings I feel today and I felt today don't even come close to how I felt on the day Vooch was named All-Star for the first time when he was, I think, 28, right? Um, it's been, like, ecstatic the whole time. I, I was feeling pretty confident that he was going to get thrown into the mix and, and be selected. I knew there was, like, you know, some talks about Scotty Barnes and... Um, Pascal Siakam and Trey Young and a couple other names that, you know, Derek White even from the Celtics, like some other really super talented players, like no disrespect to any of them. But I was like, there's, he's, he's going to make it right. Like, and, you know, I think the coaches, when, whenever the Magic are playing like a post, like a, a, a another team and we hear the interviews from the, the other coaches, they always talk about Paul in such a high regard. I was like, he's got to make it. But of course, like, you know, shout out six man show for a second here. They were doing um their their playback watch live live reaction, and I jumped in there while I was working um you know over here, and uh, I actually started getting some nervous butterflies. I'm like, what if he doesn't get called, man? I started getting real nervous, and all of a sudden they call his name, and just like I'm out the roof. I'm excited. I'm trying not to yell and scream at my office, um you know, and and get all my coworkers like, what is going on? Uh, it was a really good feeling, man, um, to have a 21 year old, um, sophomore who is played half this season so far with a broken team, um, who's improved in so many ways from his rookie year to a sophomore year, averaging 23 points a game, seven rebounds a game, five assists a game, shooting 35% from three. Uh, we're not going to talk about the free throw percentage, but like, dude, he is just like, he is he stepped up as a leader this year um and he's really making an impact on so many ways of this game and it just man i'm i'm ecstatic i think it like just proves that you know this team is really like how we feel about this team it's it's it's, it's starting to to get that to the rest of the world now right like we know this team can be special i think the coaches the players we saw how the voting all happened there too with him being i think 
fourth in the East on 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 all that stuff. Um, it just it's validating, man. It really is validating as fans and as people that cover this team that we have a future star that is going to be in a Magic uniform for a very long time. Yeah, I think the the anxiety that I had watching it, like the thrill of it, right? Paulo Bancaro being the last one named. Like we we heard Bam Adebayo get in. We saw Julius Randle. And we're just, in, in my opinion, I'm just like, man, I can't believe it, it's really happening. They're going to snub our guy. They freaking put Julius Randle in. And they're talking about how, oh, well, he has a dislocated shoulder. So maybe, you know, there there might be another chance for another player out there to fill his spot. And that would be like worst case scenario. Like, oh, absolutely. you know, if, if Paulo didn't make it, but yeah, he gets to be a replacement. Like, it's just not, it's not the same feeling. It's, it's just, in my opinion, it's not. Maybe he feels a different type of way, but, you know, I, I kind of feel like that would have been a smack in the face. So um, at the time of watching it live, I had my daughter in my arms. We're giving the kids a bath and I'm I'm watching it on my phone. Got the the MP3 player in, in my hand, the, the wireless speaker playing it loud. And the minute that I hear Paolo Bancaro's name and the Orlando Magic, Dude, I, I run with my daughter, like, from point A of the hallway yes. to point B, screaming. My daughter's crying because she's she's scared. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I, I screamed. Like, I yelled, and she, she got scared. And I was like, oh, baby, it's okay. It's okay. Paulo Bancaro, all-star. You know, she got all happy afterwards. Not really, but it, it took a little minute. But it, it, was, it was really exciting. The only, the only, not to be a negative Nancy, but the only drawback, the only thing that I wasn't crazy about is – why didn't I feel like Shaquille O'Neal didn't have that same level of excitement? Why didn't he have the same excitement that we had? Dude, we're about to retire your jersey in a couple of weeks. Why are you not just as excited as we are? There was because no love from Shaq. Shaq. And I know everything and nothing, nothing. faces me. Nothing. There was, there was zero love from Shaquille O'Neal. Nothing. Wasn't that the whole point of us retiring his jersey to be able to get a little more like love in the national media. Like I thought that would have been like an extra bonus, but apparently not. Al, what, what Nothing. Did you think? No, I mean, you guys have said it. I think that the fact that we get to have this homegrown talent, you know, that we were so freaking excited when we drafted him. Um, we, we needed him, right? We needed a face in Orlando. We needed a score. And all of a sudden here comes Paulo Bencaro. I mean, year two as an all-star, if you would have told me that last year, I would have said maybe, but the fact that he's shown up, I mean, the team has already had 25 wins. We have 34 games to go this year. So it's not only the numbers. It's the way that he's impacting the team, the city. Um, it's crazy, man. So I'm so proud for him. I'm so proud for Magic fans that, again, have been through so much. And like Steven mentioned, all love for Vooch. Love him. I think it was crazy when he made it back in 2019. But the reality is there was a ceiling to me to what Vooch could accomplish in Orlando. Like, it was eight seed, seven seed. That's about it. With Paulo, it's like, hey, you're an all-star, 21 years old, year two. We're going to make the playoffs this year. What's to come in two, three years on the road? It's, it's crazy. It's Dwight Howard, you know, back in those days. It's Shaq. So it's exciting. Uh, we got to celebrate this moment. We've earned it. We, we've suffered through a lot to get here. Uh, but the good thing is, guys, it's only up from here. This is only the beginning of what I think is a great run for Magic fans. And for Paulo, this is only the beginning for him. Yeah, and um, a very big I told you so. To all those that wanted Jabari Smith Jr. to be drafted Steven. by the Orlando Magic, that's Stephen guy. Chet, I mean, listen, honestly, I think Chet would have gave Paolo a run for his money. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly surprised of how well he's played. I did not oh, think that he was going to play this well. He's been, but, great, but I'm very happy he didn't make an All Star appearance. Agree. We, we, we got True. the guy. Absolutely. True. But um, again, again, Jabari Smith Jr. Not to call out any names, Al. But man, shame, shame on you, man. Shame on you. I want to run through it before we, before we move on. I just want to like run through a couple things real quick, right? So, um, Paulo, twenty one years old. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, I kind of ran through his stats, but I just want to say him again. You know, what he's averaging for the season right now. This is on BasketballReference.com. Twenty three points a game, seven rebounds, five assists, um, forty five percent field goal efficiency. Uh, 49%, I think that's true efficiency. Sorry, don't. Uh, 45% field goal percentage, 49% field goal efficiency. Um, so that's, that's Paulo at, at 21 years old, all-star. Uh, Dwight Howard, he made all-star his third year. He was also 21. Um, he averaged 17 points a game. 
He averaged almost two blocks a game, 1.9. He was averaging 12 rebounds a game, which is pretty crazy, and just under two assists a game. Um, he, that's, you know, 17 and, and 12, not bad for a 21-year-old center. Shaq, obviously, we all know he made it his first, his uh, freshman year, his, his rookie season. Um, you know, get this, 23 points a game, same as Paulo. Uh, assists, obviously not there. Different types of players. He only had 1.9, same as Dwight Howard. Uh, and then he had a total of 13.9 rebounds a game. Um, funny, we all hate on Paulo for his free throw percentage because it's like, you know, only 69% right now. Nice. Um, <laughs> but but Shaq's uh, free throw percentage was 59, and Dwight, the year he won it, was 58. So shout out Paulo for being the best in that category as well. At all three. So I just thought those were some fun numbers considering those are the other, like, three big guys that got all-star selections at 21 or younger for the Magic franchise. Yeah, and I think that there, there was someone that, that brought up a really good point on social media. I can't remember who it is, but shout out to you for highlighting it. Uh, the fact that Paolo Bancaro's first nationally televised game is going to be an NBA all-star game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Sorry, that was actually, I saw the person that tweeted that. It's it's not. The, the Thunder game is the last game before all-star break. Oh, but, oh but, that's right. That's, that's right. right. But it's like, that's right. Ha- is this the first all-star that hasn't had an N- an NBA TV game yet? Like, It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. Wow. Like a nationally televised game. Crazy. It's wild. So, so what you hope, right, is now with this all-star nod is what comes after, right? Now you kind of can't deny that people want to see if there if there was any proof that's needed outside of the, the visual eye test. The amount of fans that voted for Paolo Bancaro in itself should say something, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that the coaches also agreed with the fan voting, kind of putting him in that in that realm, should also say something. So I'm expecting next year for the Magic to get just a little bit of love because people want to see Paolo Bancaro. I'm also expecting for more things to happen now with the Jordan brand. Totally. We know that every single person oh, yeah. that signs up with the Jordan brand, they eventually get their signature deal, their signature shoe deal. And now I'm expecting for that to kind of move along a little bit more. No more PEs from, you know, Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic. Like, give my man P5 his own sneaker, and I promise you it's going to sell out. But I'm really excited uh, for Paolo Bancaro. I really love the reaction that the team had. Um, you know, they the Magic had the, the video where they were able to videotape the reaction, how everyone just kind of rallied around him. Coach Moss looked like a proud father when he hugged him. It was really an awesome, awesome moment for somebody um, that kind of just talked about how how much of a dream it was to kind of be able to make it into the NBA, be a number one pick, be an all-star his second year. These last two years must be a wild roller coaster ride for Paolo Bancaro. And, you know, it, it couldn't have happened to a more hardworking talented player like Paolo Bancaro and the fact that he's rocking our pinstripes, man, it, it makes it just that much more sweet. Yeah. And I will tell you one thing next year, I'm predicting since now, Franz Wagner will be in that bubble of guys that can make the, the all-star game along with Paolo. Just keep an eye for that. I think so too. And if we make the playoffs or not, if we're going to make the playoffs, I don't know if we're going to do any good in it, but we're going to make the playoffs and you know, Paul made an all-star guarantee we're going to have some more national television games other than just one next year you know it, it you got to prove it a little bit in this league if you're a small market to get bigger bigger games now we all should have had a lot more we can all agree on that but they can't re- they cannot reject it too much longer you know we should we should definitely be getting i don't know minimum of six uh national televised games I'll say at least probably a good starting spot and that's that's national not nba tv games right you know maybe it's Maybe it's 10 or 11 if you include the NBA TV games or something. That's that's what I'm kind of guessing. But we'll see. We'll see. So I'm psyched, fellas. It's been a great day so far. Yeah, Steven, let me me get your thoughts. Franz Wagner, right? Paolo's number one. Franz is number two. There's no secret about that. Um, There was was hope that, hey, maybe Franz has a shot to make the all-star team also, not right now, but in the beginning of the season, we we had hopes of that. We we feel like the the talent is there. Obviously, Franz is happy for Paolo, but do you see this kind of hitting like a, a motivational switch for Franz? You're, you're talking about someone that won the world championship, you know, in, in the off season representing his country. 
Um, obviously, man, he he just looks tired out there. He he doesn't look like he's a hundred percent himself. But um, watching Paulo get this this great accomplishment, do you, do you feel like this is a good uh, motivational kicker for him? No matter how happy he is for Paulo. Yeah, I mean, I really do think so. I I think he's probably just like thinking back about like, man, how much did it suck for me to like roll my ankle and like be out of rhythm, you know, for a good section, not be able to help my team win. Like had maybe they didn't lose so bad during that time period. Maybe his name's a little bit more out there. Um, you know, maybe like he really focuses on his three-point shot, which has been much better the last handful of games, but it's like maybe he's focusing on that and other elements of his game um, to where, you know, if the Magic are in a good enough standings next year that we can have two All-Stars, you know, I, I think we would have to be a solidified, like, top four in the mm-hmm. East next year for that to happen, because I do think that does come into consideration, um, you know, particularly with, with just popularity and whatnot. Uh, I don't think Franz is, like, a sexy name for, like, getting votes yet for, like, non-Magic fans, but I definitely think if we are a top four team and he is crushing it, that, you know, he could definitely get voted in as a reserve with the coaches. Um, you know, who knows, maybe even more. But yeah, this should be a big motivating factor for him, for, you know, guys like, I mean, Suggs, for, for the entire team, this should be a motivating factor to to try and get there. Now, granted, some guys should know they're probably not going to be there. Um, but Franz, definitely. A little kick in the ass, bud. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if the Knicks if the Knicks got two players in the All-Star game, it's definitely a real possibility for the Magic. When I heard Julius Randle's name, I almost lost it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I swear to you, I almost lost it. It, it would have been rough. If I didn't hear Paolo's name, Twitter fingers would have been all over the keyboard because I would have made sure that somebody heard me. Somebody. Somebody. At any point in time. All right, so this last week was a roller coaster ride. Man, the, the last four games... Magic go two and two. Really tough loss against the Memphis Grizzlies. We lose one hundred seven and one hundred six. Uh, a nice win against the Suns, one thirteen and ninety eight. It's really nice to be able to see Paolo go against uh, a player like Kevin Durant and and others. Uh, we do lose against the Dallas Mavericks, one thirty one to twenty nine. You know the the free throw uh, differential differential in that game was super rough for us. And then a really nice win against San Antonio, where you know the San Antonio looked like they came out to play. It was our first look of Victor Wembanyama against Paolo Bancaro, and, and Paolo definitely put on a show. Got to see a lot of really good stuff from Jonathan Isaac guarding uh, Victor Wembanyama. I can't really say I remember seeing any highlights ever of Victor Wembanyama getting blocked the way that Jonathan Isaac kind of you know handled him a little bit. So that was fun to watch. But um, Al, talk to me about some of the games this past week. What are some of the things that stood out to you and um, what what was your feeling of seeing Victor Wembanyama, who has had so many nationally televised games, finally get his shot at Paolo Bancaro? I mean, you described it perfectly. A roller coaster week, right? We we started with a tough loss in Memphis, which again we all kind of had as a win. Just on paper, that they're struggling, a lot of injuries. Perfect game to kind of bounce back and build some momentum. Unfortunately, we lost that one by one point. Then you come and you beat Phoenix, which is a game that many of us thought they wouldn't win just because they are a super talented team. Somewhere, somehow, we do what the Magic do. We, we bounce back after a crazy loss, and we beat a really good team. And then Dallas, man, that was a game that really sucked just because we played so well in the third quarter. I'm sorry, the first half of that game. And then the third quarter, we completely blew it. Um, we got scored 35-12 to 12 in the third quarter, and that was the game. You talked about it also, free throw differential. We shot 28 free throws in that game. They shot 43. But hey, you want to blame us? We missed eight free throws in a game that we lost by two points. So we had direct control of that game, that bad third quarter, missing free throws. We got to learn from that. And oh, then San Antonio. Even won, sorry, I just want to yeah. pause right there. We even won the fourth quarter in that game. We won yep. all three, the first, second, and fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, we won by 40 to 35 points. Like, score even 16 points in the third quarter and we win that game like come on guys like not not come on guys to you but like the team it was just like yeah i think we went six minutes in the third quarter without a bucket like can't happen it was so can't frustrating happen. to watch and then and sorry i don't want to i don't want to jump on the san antonio thing but i just wanted to add that that was so frustrating on that mavericks game yeah i mean i, I honestly that maps game to me honestly comes down to coach mostly 
I, I don't know why you would start J.I. in that game and then you play him eight minutes. We were killing them when J.I. was playing defense on, on Luka. Like, we were rolling that entire game. And then after he went down, we kind of had to create, get creative. Put Chuma in the game and put A.B. in the game, who was getting killed by Luka. So, unfortunately, a tough game, a tough game to lose because we lost to them in similar fashion. Back at home, we played the Mavs. We, we had a huge lead. We blew in the third quarter. So I would like to see the team learn from those mistakes. And unfortunately, yesterday, although we beat the Spurs, something similar happened. We were up by 25, coasting. We had it locked down. And then we came back and they came back into the game within four in the fourth quarter and almost beat us in that game, which was, would have been crazy. So a roller coaster week. We, we played well. We're seeing the momentum kind of shift again. We're, we're getting better on the defensive end. All the games were competitive. The sucky part is we should have easily gone 4-0 this week instead of 2-2, two and two, but no complaints. We're getting healthier. We're looking better. Uh, Steven, what about you? Any, any thoughts on, on this past week? Yeah, I mean, no big blowouts, which is really nice. Uh, the wins that we did have, you know, like there was some real professionalism in those wins. Um, you know, again, like, yeah, San Antonio, we, they, they came back in that fourth for a bit, but we we didn't allow them to take over. We did we they got close, but we didn't we didn't allow them to get closer than four. We had a couple of key stops. Um, you know, and then, you know, the last two minutes it was pretty pretty clear that the magic were gonna win. So that was just nice. Um it was nice to see how they adjusted to Wemby because you can tell in the beginning of that, like the first four or five minutes, they didn't even like it was that first quarter in general was just like trying to get used to him on the floor and he really does make players play a bit differently. Um, but, but that was fun. I actually rewatched some of that game just cause like I wanted to watch Wemby a little bit more. He's such a unique individual player and I haven't watched many Spurs game despite how often they've been on TV. Um, and then, you know, yeah, you got the, the heartbreaker in Memphis, you, where, where Joe Ingles does not make the, the wide open three, right? You know, that was, that was, I'm not really upset that, I mean, I'm bummed he missed it, but you know, it was a very clean shot for him to take. Um, Phoenix game was professional win, just handling business. We let, you know, I think our, our, our third unit got some run on that game, some good practice and, uh, you know, which was great. Always fun to let the, the Phoenix on the opposing team get some cardio in, in that fourth quarter. Um, yeah, it's, it's also nice just to be 500 for a week. I feel like we've had too many weeks where we're not 500. It's like, we've been one and four, right. Um, to go two and two, all the games to be close just kind of makes me feel like we're going back in that right direction. Um, really encouraged to see J.I. I know it was a little weird with the uh, with the um, the Mavericks game the other night, um, only him playing the first quarter, but like or the first half. But you have him playing season high in minutes in both the Memphis and uh, Phoenix game, where it's twenty plus minutes in each game. I think Memphis it was twenty one, Phoenix it was twenty two or 23, then he, then he gets promoted to starter for the back-to-back versus uh, Dallas, um, which, you know, it kind of, not kind of, it sucked that he wasn't able to play the second half, but I'm also really glad that they didn't force him to play the second half because he came back, played 18 minutes versus uh, the Spurs, um, and was probably a huge factor in the reason why we even won that game in the first place with how, how, how well it was, right? It was because we have J.I., so it's like, it's frustrating to see him come in and out of the lineup here and there. Um, but, you know, he's played uh, four out of the six available back-to-backs that he's been allowed for. And when I, let me preface that, the team has played more than six back-to-backs. Um, but these are the ones where he wasn't out with, like, an ankle injury or sick. Um, and so it's just, it's encouraging to see his ramp continue to go up, right? Um, so I thought that was really good. And I just want this momentum to carry on next week. Yeah, Jonathan Isaac starting for the first time since 2019. How do you think that he should continue to start? Uh, we, we've we seen, I, so first and foremost, it was really exciting to hear him playing in the back-to-back, right? And the fact that he was starting, it was as if it was the first game of the season. Like the the amount of of um, excitement that people had to be able to watch took it to another level. And you expected the Magic to take that game in a sense because Kyrie Irving wasn't playing either. Jonathan Isaac was put in the starting lineup. So, again, a lot of excitement. Do you hope that the Magic um, throw him out there in the starting lineup more this season? Personally, I do. 
And I think we talked about this plenty before the season started. Like, hey, is that something that the Magic should look at if J.I. really is healthy? It seems like he's finally getting to that point where he can play 25, heck, maybe soon enough here, 30 minutes a night. If that ever happens, man, just the, the idea of playing J.I. with Paolo Franz, if you throw Wendell and go really big or you throw the two guards with, with um, Suggs and, and uh, Markel, you get creative for how you, how you throw that out there. But he just changes the, the, the whole game for us, man. Like His defensive uh, abilities are just something that not many players in the NBA can do. Like He can stop anyone from the one to the five. So he has such a big impact on our team. You have to consider it. And I think we'll talk about it later in the episode, but next week will dictate a lot of that. If the trade deadline goes one way, and let's assume Markel gets traded, you maybe have to have the conversation of, hey, do we start Jalen Sucks at point guard, insert J.I. at the four, the five, and we go really big. That's our thing, right? We like doing that. Or do we keep things as they are? But I think Jalen Sucks' shooting abilities, his improvements, allow us to have this conversation. If he was struggling like years past, no, impossible to do. But the fact that he can spread the floor, so can France, Paolo's shooting it well too, you can entertain that, that discussion. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's intriguing. I'm all for it. Yeah, I really love the size that he brings. And I think that that's really the, the dynamic factor that would scare a whole lot of teams. You know, the, the, there was a moment where we put France at the two, Jonathan Isaac at the five, and we had a really, really big lineup where our shortest player was six foot four. Um, you know, at, at our point guard position, you have somebody like Anthony Black that against Dallas, and obviously it was his home crowd, but he goes for twenty points, shooting four for four from the three point line. So, this is somebody that if if Anthony Black can find a way to kind of really put it together on a consistent basis, your starting point guard is six foot seven. That's the shortest person on the floor for your team. Man, this is a team that is going to create just a, a matchup nightmare for for whoever. So. You know, in regards to Jonathan Isaac, to me, I don't I don't care so much. Like for me, it's not he doesn't have to start for me. But for me, I would love to see him finish a lot more in games. Not not necessarily just utilize him for, you know, matchups, but but really put him in there and and if he's if he's limited in minutes, if we're only gonna play him for 10, 15 minutes, then I would prefer those 10, 15 minutes be when we need him the most, right? And if a majority of that can come off, you know, in, in the fourth quarter end games, man, it, it definitely brings, uh, uh, you know, a different feel for this team. Man. And every time he's in, he's on the court, you know, it, the, we, we play better, we defend better. There's, there's more opportunity. Like he, he doesn't have to block shots. He doesn't like his defense and his presence. And I think that his reputation enough in the game already scares people to bring the ball down, you know, in the floor. And, Blocking somebody like Victor Wembanyama and, and and kind of because when you watch them play, it scared me how tall Victor Wembanyama was because he made it's Jonathan crazy. Isaac look short. Yeah. Like you're you're talking about Jonathan Isaac. He he's at least and it won't be confirmed and won't be verified. Jonathan Isaac is at least seven one seven two unconfirmed, right? Because apparently they stopped tracking his height once he hit six eleven. Um, and the fact that Victor Wembanyama had a good like solid three four inches on him kind of looking down at him i'm sure it was a different feeling for jonathan isaac like how many people are taller how many people has he in encounter with that's taller than him and the fact that you know he was up for the challenge the the fact that he he took it up as as you know it's, it's me versus you the fact that you know coach most had confidence in him that i'm going to try to match them up as much as possible Dude, it was it was really fun. It was fun for everyone watching. It was definitely fun for the NBA and, and anyone outside of the Magic. If even if you're not a Magic fan, you you see Victor Wembanyama get treated like that. Uh, I'm sure it was an exciting feat for everyone. Um, just a couple notes on Jonathan Isaac. All right, so I pulled up a couple of stats while we were uh, while we were talking about him, and he's just such a difference maker, man. So like, I know this this an individual game plus minus is like a weird stat. But I think it's telling when you look at things in like large groupings, right? He's played 30 games. He's only had 10 games with a negative plus minus. Every other, he's had 20 games out of 30 with a positive plus minus. And then just to give some encouragement on, on the minutes thing, right? And like with being pulled from the second half of the back to back of, of uh, you know, the Memphis game or the Dallas game the other night, 
he played over 18 minutes uh, during the Spurs game, which was his fourth highest minutes played uh, in the season, right? He's had two games in the 20s. He had another game at 19 at the beginning of the season. Then then last night, or the you know whenever you guys are listening to this uh, versus the Spurs, um, you know, over 18 minutes. So it's like, they're ramping him. They're getting him ready to play big minutes, bigger role, um, you know, towards the end of the season. And this is a really good time to be testing him and his body right now because we're going to be hitting all-star break here in a couple of weeks to where they can gather some data, kind of push him, see how his body responds, and then he's going to get a nice, good week off to let his body fully recover. So it's like, this is a good time to really be gathering this information from, you know, the the training staff, coaching staff's uh, you know, perspective. They can, they can experiment a little bit and see how he feels um, to then, you know, continue that path to get him to be able to not have to worry about minutes. When it comes to the last 10 games, we're really fighting for playoff standings. And when we get into the playoffs um, or, you know, we have to go through the play and get into the playoffs, like we want him to not have a minutes restriction there. If he is coming off the bench or starting, we need his ability to play 30 minutes. I think we as fans just to continue got to be a little bit trust the process, you know, as to get him there. So um, as frustrating as the Dallas game was, and I do think him not being able to play the second half caused some like unrhythm to be done with the lineups, um, you know, having to throw in Chuma there, which was not planned, I'm sure. Um, You know, I'm just encouraged to see him come back and play, you know, 18 minutes the very next game. So. Just wanted to throw that out there as we as we put a cap on Jonathan Isaac and how much of a difference maker he truly is for this team. Yeah, it, it allows for the front office to be flexible in a sense where they know what they have, but we're not relying everything on Jonathan Isaac. And yeah. in the event that the Magic do make whatever decisions, they know that they can be more flexible with Jonathan Isaac. Like it's not just an experiment now putting Jonathan Isaac at the five where, you know, it would have felt that way more so if it was, you know, last season, season before, not like he was playing, but if he was playing, um, it, it definitely would have felt more like an experiment. Um, the Magic are currently tied with the Heat now for the seventh, eighth seed in the East. They're two games behind Indiana for six and two and a half games ahead of Chicago in the standings. Um, the Magic are in a good position. Now they have to make a decision whether or not do they stand pat or do they try to find a way to bolster um, their roster. And um, kind of getting into some of the rumor mills, some of the things that we've heard, um, Brian Windhurst of ESPN had reported that signs point to the Orlando Magic keeping Wendell Carter Jr. instead of making him available ahead of the trade deadline. Um you know, Goga has made or has has made it feel or seem as if Wendell Carter Jr. was um, expendable. There, there has been, and and this isn't this isn't anything new. What what has what has made Wendell Carter so valuable is is his contract versus his level of play. He's played above his contract. When he signed that contract, um, you still didn't know what he was. He he just got traded from Chicago to Orlando. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. And he's definitely developed into a way better player in Orlando. Um, Steven, I'm going to ask you, when it comes to Wendell Carter Jr., if the Magic do decide to keep him and not utilize him as what could be a very valuable trade asset, are you okay with it? Do you Does it make sense for the Magic to hold on to Wendell Carter? Or do you feel like you see what you have this season and in the offseason you kind of revisit? I'm, I'm cool either way, man. Um, I... I did this analogy, and I'll do it really fast for for everyone. It's like when we hear these rumors on Magic, are you know, name is being heard as Wendell Carter Jr. And then we hear this thing with with uh, Windhorse saying he's probably not going to be moved. It's like you know, you want to go into the store and you want to go check some things out because eh, you, you have this TV that's pretty nice, but you have your eyes on wanting to upgrade it in the near future. You're just not sure when, right? So you walk into Best Buy and you. You could buy something, you could not. It just kind of depends on what the deals are. And it's like, that's kind of how I feel about like Wendell Carter Jr. right now, what's going on with the front office. Like, they're probably listening and they're probably calling. Um, but, you know, would they move him for the right deal today? Potentially. It, it's very possible they could. But I also think they're totally fine walking out of Best Buy, going and sitting on their couch and turning on that 65 inch plasma before upgrading to the OLED in maybe another season or two, right? So, like, that's kind of how I put this, like, 
this all these rumors into perspective. Um, but plasma. no, man, I'm fine, man. Like he's or plasma, sorry, else whatever, 4K, plasma, uh, man, TCL 4K, back. right? Plasma, I, my bad on the plasma guys. He's more than a plasma. Um, but you know, I I have his contract up right now. He's making thirteen thousand this year. Next year, going into uh, the twenty four twenty five season, he'll be making twelve. Sorry, thirteen million. He's making twelve million going into next year, and then the following season, he'll be making just under eleven million. So like, we got time. The calls we're gonna get today are gonna be the same calls we'll probably get this summer. So there's really no rush. Um. You know, even next year's deadline around this time a year from now uh, could be a good time to to send him out and still get good value with a year and a half left on his contract. After that, I'm going to start questioning things if he's still on this roster or, you know, there's not a different type of center. I like Wendell. I don't know if I see him as the long-term fit there. He's a good guy. Um, teammates seem to like him. He's productive. He's got his weaknesses. But right now, I think it's okay that we kind of like take our time and figure that out. Particularly if he's playing next to J.I. that can like balance out some of those weaknesses. I'm I'm not in a huge rush, um, but I necessarily wouldn't be upset or, or you know surprised if we moved him at this deadline or even this summer. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, he's he's playing a lot better now than when he did fresh off of the injury. We knew that was going to take some time. My my biggest thing when it comes to Wendell Carter is that. You know, I, I don't I can't visualize it. I can't see what what the the trade really is out there that's going to be better than what he's able to provide. Like, I, I just don't see the value matching up. I think that Wendell, you know, he he does a lot of good. There's team chemistry already there. You're not really rocking the boat too much. The team is a good team. We know what our flaws are. We know what we can do to overcompensate. Sometimes he can stretch the floor. Yeah, maybe he's more of a four than he is a five. But the Magic are making it work, and I think that that's part of, you know, the the ongoing debate. The fan base wants there to be moves. I just don't know if the front office is is really there yet. And some of the some of the rumors that we've been hearing makes me feel more and more as if the Magic just may not do anything. They they just might write it out. And uh, this next report kind of makes me feel more aligned with that. You know, thought process. Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports says rival executives are pegging the Pelicans as well as the Orlando Magic as likely buyers on the point guard market this summer in the offseason. So, Al, what, what are your thoughts on that? If the Magic are, if all signs point to Wendell Carter um, keeping Magic, keeping Wendell at the trade deadline, and the Magic may be buying into a point guard in the off season, would you be upset if the magic did absolutely nothing at this trade deadline? I mean, not really. I think, I think they'll do something, whether that is shipping off Chuma for a second, Gary Harris for a second, they'll do something at the trade deadline. But what was exciting the last couple of weeks was hearing, you know, Jake Fisher, Mark Stein, like guys that are kind of tied to the magic a little bit. Reporting things like Wendell's on the market, uh, Markel could be moved. The Mark, the Magic are going after a point guard. Like we kept getting these rumors that had some validity to it, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, they're backing off. They're saying that actually those things may not happen. And now Jake Fisher is saying point guard move maybe in the summer. Um, so a bit of a letdown just because it's hard, man. We we want to make the playoffs. We want to compete once we make it there. But we all know the front office is a patient bunch. They've said it before. They're not going to rush anything. And it leads me to believe that is a course of action they'll take. I wouldn't be surprised if they say, hey, we want to keep watching Markel till the end of the season to see if that shoulder gets better, if the knee gives him any issues. If he doesn't, we may bring him back as a backup, whatever it may be. We'll see what that looks like. But I really am leaning towards more the magic making the big moves in June, July. Not so much at the trade that line. I would love a shooter. I would love some sort of upgrade at the point guard position to get us ready for the for the playoff push. I just don't see a likely un unless something drastically changes over the next week. And now we're getting calls for Wendell that may be a crazy offer that we're not expecting or something along those lines. But if you ask me, I think we're leaning more towards staying put, minor move to the deadline, writing it out, and really making the big moves in the offseason. I think that some of the most infamous uh, trade lines, or excuse me, um, magic phrases or quotes 
have been why not us why not now has been do you believe in magic um it's been uh magic don't leak anything so <laughs> when it comes to these rumors that we hear uh Steven, the magic don't leak anything. So do you do you believe any of the smoke? Do you believe that when there's smoke, there's fire? Uh, what what do you believe is, as we record the last and final um, episode before the trade deadline, what do you believe the magic will do? What's your what's your final prediction? Man, I, I, I go against the grain a little bit. I do think the magic leaks stuff within reason, right? I don't think we're necessarily calling aid like reporters and saying, Hey, I want you to say this or send this out. But like, I think when, um, you know, Jay Fisher was recently on the six man show. Right. And he even said, when I report something, I make sure I have at least two sources confirming that right Two reliable sources. So it's like when he says something like, you know, this name has been on the market. I think it's totally true. But with that being said, yes, we are a very, strategic group that lets specific information out when we want it to be out, right? But GMs call and talk to each other. There's going to be things that float around. I think I'm a, I'm really in line here with Al, where I think we're going to do something. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like the big splashy move, right? Um, it could be like Gary Harris and Chuma OKK and like a second or two for for another type of player that they want to like maybe do some pre-agency on like you know like uh, hypotheticals a buddy healed a gary Trent. these are not like super sexy names but guys that are going to be free agents this summer where you know okay they know they're probably not going to retain gary harris or chuma and they kind of want to take a look at these guys a little bit before they maybe have to go give them a larger contract this summer right something like that could happen um i don't think we're gonna see like Example, some people are like thinking Gary Harris, if we don't do anything, maybe it's just a second rounder for Gary Harris. Well, I think, well, why would the Magic do that right now, right? We, we are not in collecting asset mode. We don't need more second round picks. Gary Harris is a voice, a veteran voice on this team that has been through, um, you know, the NBA playoffs. They might just want him, even if he's not in a consistent rotation player, they might just want his veteranship and his stability. As a, as a leader for the playoffs to help them get through this end-of-season pressure that none of these young kids have ever experienced before. Um, you know, so I, I, think there's, I think there's a balance there, but I do think I keep coming back to Markel Foles. He's expired, or he's expiring contract, um, tons of injury history, good player, great teammate, um, but there's just a lot of question marks around him. And as Keith Smith confirmed on my podcast two weeks ago, he hasn't heard a single lick or ounce of talk uh, around him in an extension yet. So I just I keep coming back to that. Is there, you know, my guy's been Malcolm Brogdon, you know, maybe a Dennis Schroeder, like something like that. Is there, are they going to get a stopgap point guard for the next year or two, uh, you know, until maybe Anthony Black uh, or, or another big fish to target in a trade or free agency signing becomes available. Um, I think those are kind of the marginal moves we'll make. I don't think we're going to go trade for Zach Levine or Deontay Murray or uh, you know any of those other bigger names that are kind of floating around. I, I think it's going to be a marginal move, but I do think we see something. They've literally done a move every single year they've been in the, the front office. They haven't all been sexy moves, but they have done something every single year they've been in the front office. So I do expect our roster to look a little bit different, I don't know to extent, but a week from now. Al, what are you thinking? Final prediction. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with Steven. I mean, I know I said a few minutes ago that I think the big moves will happen in June, July. Absolutely. But I will tell you, if we get a Gary Trent, if we get a Michael, uh, Michael Brogdon, I'll be through the moon because we just want, again, a shooter. We, we've been craving for this, I don't even know, since we traded for what, Terrence Ross? Like, that's the last time we acquire a guy that could shoot the ball. So I'm like, get us a player like that that just can give us a bit of a, a lift as we head into the, the the playoffs. As currently constructed, I love the guys. I love everyone on our roster. But our roster has a limitation. And that is, if we're not shooting the ball well, we're not going to win. And most nights, we're not shooting it very well. So I hope they do something. I don't know who's going to get traded, but I think the names that Steven mentioned, whether it's Markel Foltz, Gary Harris, Chuma, they make sense because they expire. So you tag that to a pick second rounder or a first for that matter, it makes them sexy automatically just because 
the team that gets them saves money and gets an asset back. So we'll see. I, I really think they do something. I just don't think it'll be a massive move. Uh, I think it'll be just something minor, just enough to, for them to continue to evaluate the roster, while at the same time adding something to fix their weaknesses, which again is shooting. Yeah, I, I so I really I really have no like I I can't see what what the magic plan is for for Markel Fultz. I love Markel Fultz. I just I I don't have confidence that you know he he's going to be back next year. I really don't. So I think that what makes the most sense. I think there's a lot of investment in Anthony Black. I think Anthony Black is the point guard of the future. I really do believe that. Um, it's just we don't know what the future is. Do we? Is it is it two years from now? Is it three? Is it is it one? Can you really develop over the off season? Like what what is that time frame? Um, so it, it would make the most sense if you're not going to bring Mark Hill back to find yourself, you know, that that stopgap replacement for the time being until you're able to bring, you know, Anthony Black along. So I don't know what they're going to do. I do hope that's something minor. I hope that they don't shake up the chemistry too much. Um, because when healthy, we know that this team can play well and they can compete and they can beat some really, really good basketball teams. Um, the question is, can we stay healthy? And, and I think that that's just a question that we've been asking about this team for what seems like almost a century now. We just, we just don't, we just don't know. We just don't know. So we wait, we see what happens. And we hope that they they don't mess it up because, you know, uh, bringing in a a big personality could really really alter. Like I, I think about a player like um, Dejounte Murray. Like how, how like uh, if you bring a bur- a big personality like that, like how much th- does that change the chemistry? How much does does that change the the brotherhood of what it feels like with this team? It could change it for the better. It could change it for the worse. But it's also a a risk. So you really, you really don't know. The great thing is that we don't have to wait too much longer to find out. February 8th is right around the corner. We have a lot of questions that we're going to get answers to, and we're going to get answers to them really, really soon. This week ahead, we have Minnesota tonight, Sunday versus Detroit, Tuesday at Miami. And then we get a chance to see uh, Paolo Jonathan Isaac and hopefully Victor Wimbanyama. Um, again, we get it. We get a second chance to look at them. So. Um, Steven, predictions, next four games. Man, I've been going back and forth on on how I think this is going to play out because like, we are on the road for a lot of these games. The next three games, we don't get back home until next Thursday versus the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and, you know, I look at Minnesota. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference as far as standings go. They, If that coach at all wants to be the coach in the all-star game you know that team's going to be motivated when we come into town tomorrow or today when you all are listening to this to, to to stay in the top of this conference and and you know help that coach be the coach of the all-star game for the west um which is crazy and you know the thunder are right behind them you know the, the timberwolves have 34 wins the thunder have 33 so that is a tight race over there um but i think I think we're going to go two and two for sure. Can we go three and two? I'm not sure. I think we get a win in Detroit. I just, I think we're going to be the mature team and, and kind of have some stability there. That team is just too up and down right now. Detroit, um, no disrespect, but they got six wins. I don't expect their seventh or eighth to come against us. Um, I expect us to, to stand ground again and, and with San Antonio at home. Um, Miami's really hard. That's the end of a road trip in Miami that I don't have a lot of faith there. I think if we're going to go three and two, three and one and not two and two, we have to squeeze out another win on Friday versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. So my official prediction will be two and two, but God, I would love to go three and one. Al, what are we thinking? Same thing, man. If we, if we could go three and one, that would be an amazing week, especially before, right before we come home for three games, starting with San Antonio um, but it'd be amazing to end this road trip with, you know, what would it be? Four wins if we could make it happen. Um, so let's see. Ideally, we go three and one. More realistically, two and two. I think you have to wake up and, and really think about that game in Detroit, that game against the Spurs, and really take it professionally. Like you've lost a game in Memphis that you shouldn't have lost. You lost a game in Dallas that you shouldn't have lost. 
we got to start waking up and winning these games. Because again, we keep hearing about how easy the schedule is going to get for us. But if we don't wake up and take this team seriously, no game in the NBA is easy. So at least I'm hoping to win against Detroit and San Antonio. But you got to squeeze in a win, maybe Miami, maybe Minnesota, and go three and one. That would be ideal. Yeah, you got to beat the teams, um, you know, in person that we think that you can beat on paper. If the Magic can squeeze out another one, that'd be pretty great. Um, you know, it was just reported that Joel Embiid, he's going to be missing some time uh, due to an injury. Now's the time to be able to take advantage and kind of, you know, move up the ladder a little bit. Um, so we'll see what the Magic end up doing. Some fun basketball up ahead. Uh, Steven, I appreciate you joining the show. It's been a long, long time, my man. I'm, we're, we're definitely happy to have you as part of the squad. So um, if you haven't checked out any of Steven's uh, podcast episode, make sure that you do so, man. It's on our YouTube channel. It's still under our our, our same streamline uh, podcast on on however you check us out on, on the Orlando Magic HQ. You can see the close-up uh, episodes there. Uh, about I want I want to say at least an episode every two weeks, right? right Is that where we're at? Doing them weekly now. Yep. Yeah. Weekly. Yep. So you yep. you bring on some really really great guests, um, and let everyone know where they can follow you on social media, Stephen. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it, joining the HQ has been one of the best decisions I've done since uh, deciding to cover the Orlando Magic. Um, it's just been such a blessing to be a part of like this team, this squad, the roster that we have has been amazing. Um and yeah, like like Anthony said, check out check out the podcast, check out the show. It's it's a lot of fun. I always have to look this up because I can never remember my social media handle. It's Steven C E P H E N zero six one zero, and that is where I can be found on X Twitter. Um, and I'm not really active on Instagram. So if you want to talk basketball, hit me up there. My DMs are open. I will tell you your takes are great or your takes are suck. Or if you want to just talk about how cool, um, you know. You know, I don't know if you want to talk about anything. Holler at me. I'm I'm there. That's where I can be found. Let's go, Magic. Love it, love it. Today's show was presented by Bet Online. It's a wrap. Catch you guys next week. For all the latest Magic news and updates, visit OrlandoMagicHQ.com and follow us on Instagram at OrlandoMagicHQ and on Twitter at OMagicHQ. Also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite listening platform.